What's happening, good fighters? We're back at it today with Treasure Hunt episode, and not just one piece of treasure, one piece of booty. We got triple booty duty today. I swore I was going to mess that up. I was like, oh, you for did it. it. <laughs> you did a good job. It can be a tongue twister, you know? It can be a tongue twister. We got triple booty duty. Dr. Nash and I have been reading some fire phenomenal things that we're excited to bring to y'all. What's today. new? What's new? You know we only bring you guys fire. We don't have time for that garbage. Yeah, that weak sauce, bro. No weak sauce. No, that weak sauce. Absolutely. Stay hard. So, uh, we just want to dive right in, Dr. Nash. You got any words of yeah, wisdom I mean, just go? for anybody else that's wondering what the treasure hunting episodes are, this is where Dr. Gates and I, we both like to annotate the books that we read. So, we each like to bring a little something to the table, some... Little gems, little little treasure nuggets that we found in the books that we were reading this week, this last month, and share those with y'all, and yep. have a little bit of conversation based off of those passages and those pieces. Absolutely, yes, sir. So, first up, we actually have um, I got a, like a little devotional book that I wanted to share about tolerance. Um, and I thought this was really good because me personally, you know, and the good fighters as, as a whole, we want to make sure we're up to snuff on what we're supposed to be doing. Right. And um, I thought this piece just shared a little bit of insight, more specifically insight from uh, Old Testament biblical story. Um, but it starts off with, is it true? This question emerged out of a cultural context, not unlike ours today. Babylon had conquered Israel and brought back some of the brightest young Jewish minds to train in the way of the Babylonians. The king had set up a golden image of himself and decreed that all his subjects would bow down and worship it. And like a bunch of rubber stamps, everyone did. Side note, I don't know what that means. Rubber stamps? (laughs) Man. Bunch of rubber stamps. It sounds like an old school burn. Yeah, bunch of stamps out there, man. Bunch of rubber stamps. Bunch of rubber stamps out there, baby. I started using that one. <laughs> and like a bunch of rubber stamps, everyone did, except these three young Jews. Upon he- hearing the news, the king summoned them into his presence with the question, "Is it true?" Tolerance is the password in today's corrupt culture. One of my own life lessons and saying is, sayings is, "You have what you tolerate." Think about it. We have today what we tolerated yesterday. Many parents can attest to this. They tolerated disrespect and talking back by their kids yesterday. And today they see a young adult who has no respect for authority. The process will continue. We will have tomorrow whatever we tolerate today. It is a fact. We have what we tolerate. Tolerance used to mean that we recognized and respected other people's beliefs and values. And even when we didn't share them. Today, tolerance means something entirely different. It now means that everyone's values, faith claims, and lifestyle should be accepted and that all truth claims are to be treated as equal. While we were screaming tolerance, our lives are being tested. The The same was true of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who lived according to the inner principle, not by outer pressure. When their moment of crisis came, they stood tall. 
and firm because their decision were, was guided by the word within their hearts, not by external worldly systems. As the morals of our culture continue to crumble, we believe it should expect to hear this same question asked of us. Is it true? Is it true that you do not bow to the gods of this world? These three young Hebrews are shouting encouragement to us today, to us across the centuries today. They're saying, don't give in, don't give up, don't give out. Your faith will be tested. Woven through Daniel 3, 1 through 12 is the concept of peer pressure. It would have been easy for these three young men to give in and get lost in the ways of time. After all, everyone else is bowing down to the golden image. It is so easy to go along with the crowd. As we ourselves, as we tell ourselves that even though we are bowing on the outside, we are still standing on the inside. But look at what Daniel's three friends did. They were not at all low profile as they stood in the mass of others who had no character or conviction, who were bowing to the golden image. I can hear those young men saying to us today, don't give in, don't do it, don't give in. In our world of tolerance, our faith will be tested as theirs was. And we too will have tomorrow the fruit of whatever we tolerate today. Those three young men found their strength in God and in one another. They stood together and they stood strong. There's a synergistic dynamic that comes when we stand together. If one can chase a thousand, two can chase 10,000. Don't give in. So I really like this because whether you're spiritual or not, or whether you believe in God or not, I think you can still apply this to your everyday life, especially as a good fighter um, and being somebody who doesn't go along with the crowd, doesn't go along with, with um, a controlled system that's just meant to undermine what you have inside of your heart and to be bold with that. So I just wanted to share that with the listeners real quick. Um, there's a lot more I could say on it, but I know we got some time and I really want to get to, to all this stuff, but if you have any thoughts too, Dr. Nash. Yeah. Yeah. Tolerance is, it's important. Clearly you know, we live in a time where that's probably one of the greatest, uh, projected virtues that people try to, you know, claim or mm-hmm. or show that they have is tolerance and you are what you tolerate i definitely i definitely resonate with that um there was a component to it as well with the tolerance talking about um the situation with a parent and and, and the child right yeah. so a parent who's hyper tolerant that creates no set of no sort of like boundaries or creates no rigid structure leads to a child that has troubles with authority in the future that I don't necessarily agree with. I think yeah. in that situation more often than not, it's, I mean, not that it's the opposite, but I feel like in those situations where the kids are able to, you know, they don't have boundaries and everything's tolerated. You, it can go a bunch of different ways, right? It kind of For sure. There's fun. a lot of variables. That come right. With that. Um, and, and from what I'm thinking is from my perspective, I mean, I didn't grow up with like the most uh, disciplined household, but there definitely were lines in the sand that if you crossed them, shit went down. Right. <laughs> um, and in a way, like, I, I felt, I still think that there's an element towards like having those lines in the sand that, you know, even when you're a kid, like 
you still think you know better and you're going to challenge mm. even authority to an, at least me, uh, my parents authority to an extent in that situation. And I think without those, um, I don't think I would have necessarily been as geared to stand up for what I think is right or stand up for myself in today's society. Yeah. And yeah. talking about bowing down and uh, kind of basically like a false idol, you know, um, for sure. Obviously, it's not super literal when you take it, when you're reading about it, as like applying it to what is going on uh, currently. But it's the context of like somebody having the stance of all knowing, all seeing, like don't challenge me and just accept it, right? And just bend, bend, bend the knee, right? And, and right. listen to what I say. Otherwise, you know, whatever's going to happen because. You know, not people playing God in that literal sense, but in a way they are, they're asking for you to, to, uh, worship them, worship the ground they walk on. Right. And you see that, you know, kind of blasted, not as much depending on what you're really looking at, but, um, you hear about it at the very least about different media sources having their own specific agendas towards what they're trying to promote, what they're trying to instill, and they claim it's through tolerance. And if you if you question it, then you're ignorant and you're intolerant, right? How is that right. tolerant? You know what I mean? Right. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's an oxymoronic in a way. So that's just kind well, of what's why I like you clarified that change in definition that's taken place within today's culture, too. You know what I mean? So I think. And I love how he just, I mean, relating it back to myself, I've seen this time and time again. You know, I think the more we can ask ourselves too, like, hey, what am I tolerating within myself? Yeah, for sure. The more we can get to that place where we're not only proud of who we're becoming, but also at the same time, we see a lot more fruit that's geared towards what we want as well. Well, and, you know, if you create a culture to, you know, based on tolerance, that's a double-edged sword. You know, like obviously there's plenty of good things that come with having a culture based on tolerance, but then you, you don't have any parameters to, to filter tolerating things that are shitty, you know, tolerating mm -hmm. mediocrity, tolerating people not uh, having any sort of standard. Right. You know, right. I, I mean, we see that, you see that anywhere you go, anywhere uh, where people just, they're, they're there to clock hours or collect a check. There's, there's tolerance that, well, uh, I, I did my job. Why should I do go above and beyond? Why should I tolerate uh, anything that is beyond what my actual description of what I'm supposed to be doing is? Right, yeah. And there's, that's a, just, there's a healthy form that I think we all need to question what our tolerance level looks like with that. A good book uh, talking about just like uh, creating your own standard for tolerance and what you're willing to tolerate in your life as far as like literally like personal standards mm -hmm. is A Message to Garcia. Okay. Albert Hubbard. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, just learning to, I'm not going to paraphrase the book, but in a way, um, there's no such thing as an insignificant task or, or 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 job or uh purpose yeah because it's all about your perspective and your perspective gives it meaning yeah 
And what, then, can and, you, what can you learn from it? Well, and through that, you know, you achieve personal excellence through uh, your own ability to carry out whatever task to the best of your ability. It's a reflection of who you, who you, who you be, you know? So mm -hmm. that's kind of my takeaway from what you read there, man. I thought that was really good. And yeah. uh, it always makes me think like, what happened to those three guys, man? You know, they just disappear off into the gulags or, or what? No, they went, they went uh, through the fire, baby. Nice. Yeah. It's Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego still. So that, I don't know. Have you heard that story before? I have not. Oh, it's pretty good. Um, maybe we can say that for another treasure hunt, but yeah. essentially the king got infuriated and they, and he, they were like, Hey, I don't, we don't care if you throw us into the furnace. Cause that was the punishment if you didn't bow down. Yeah. And um, when they, they actually got thrown into the furnace, and if you read the biblical story, the king can see into the furnace, and what he sees is not three men which were thrown in, but he sees four, mm. indicating that God was with them because they basically said, like, hey, you throw us in, God's going to save us. Even if he doesn't, we still have faith in him, essentially. So Wild. Um, they end up coming out of the furnace. They didn't even smell like smoke, it says. So it's a pretty cool story. That was really cool. Yeah, I like that. You uh, face the flames coming through unscathed. Exactly. Reminds me of that something, you know. I always like to think about that, that story too. Bro. Face the fires of hell and win. Probably one of the most fire lines of any story ever. That something is fire. If you haven't read it, read it. Need to. Read, read it. it. <laughs> And I'm gonna get that story tattooed on my body someday. Yes, sir. I wouldn't mind it. Got plenty of canvas for it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. You ready to Let's hear about it. awakening the giant within? Yes, sir. You better believe it. Okay. Um, so let me just preface the the chapter. So leadership and the power of belief. Ooh. So in this story, let me just read the first couple lines and I'll kind of go a little bit deeper into the story to really what's what I what I like about it. So leaders are those individuals who live by empowering beliefs and teach others to tap their full capabilities by shifting the beliefs they have been limiting them. One leader who impresses me is a teacher by the name of Marva Collins. So she used her personal power and decided to touch the future by making a real difference in the lives of children. So she worked in Chicago in a pretty underdeveloped area. And what she did was uh, she had children that were faced and labeled as dyslexic and had a bunch of other like learning disorders. And she decided that the problem was not the children, but what they're being taught. So these kids had no belief in themselves is what she had formulated her. So that was like her mission essentially is to like give these kids belief. And let's see. So she was working at Westside Preparatory School, which is the name, obviously the name of the school, but Tony, uh, Anthony Robbins, right. He went there himself and the first young man he met was four years old. And he said, he knocked your socks off, meets him. And he's just like, Hey, um, what's your name? My name's Talmadge E. Griffin. I'm four years old. What would you like to know? And he says, 
tell me about what you're studying these days. And Talmadge says, I just finished reading Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. Four years old. This is a underprivileged school for dyslexic and children who are having, quote unquote, uh, issues learning. Okay. So let me, I'm going to read verbatim from here on out. So he said, all right. So Tony goes on to say, needless to say, I was pretty impressed. I asked him what he liked about the book, figuring he did something like it was about two guys named George and Lenny. Talmadge says, well, the main protagonist is, and by the time, by this time I was a believer, then I asked him what he learned from the book. Mr. Robbins, I more than learned from this book. This book permeated my soul. I started to laugh and asked, what does permeate mean? Talmud says, to diffuse through. Then he gave me a fuller definition than I could ever give you. What touched you so much in the book, Talmud? Mr. Robbins, I noticed a story that the children never judge anyone else by the color of their skin. Only, only the adults did. What I learned from this is that although I will someday become an adult, I'll never forget the lessons of a child. And that is like a really good uh, insight into a little bit more because on the back end of the conversation, uh, finally, Tony asked Talmadge, what's the most important thing that Mrs. Collins has taught you? Talmadge, this four-year-old kid says, the most important thing Mrs. Collins has taught me is that society may predict, but only I will determine my destiny. I thought that was fire. Tomage, my man. Four that years old, up. dude. This dude's <laughs> out here spitting, connected to source, right? Holy um, crap. And I think that just speaks a ton about belief. And especially with kids who, they're pure and they know no boundaries. That if, the only, the only belief systems that are going to limit their potential are ones that are, they're, they're programmed or they're conditioned to to believe. So I just I just really I took a lot away just from that in itself because a lot of the tolerant society is really trying to shrink the dreams of kids. You know, a lot of time put them in yeah. boxes. Tell them, well, you got this and this and this against you already. Like it's you know you, you you're gonna have a hard life just because of this and this. Mm-hmm. So. I just, uh, we need more people like that out there. Let people what was know. her name again? The teacher? Yeah. It was... It was... Marva Collins. Yep. M-A-R-V-A Collins. Read more like Marva. Yep. I I have not looked her up, but... Um, I, I really like that though. I mean, that's a good like little sub story within the book, right? And just talking about. I mean, that if Marshall story. was about to tell me what you just what Talmadge told him, if Marshall said that, I'd be like, "Dang, you are child of God." Me, Indigo me, child. Like, Twenty five years to learn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Oh man. Um, there's another awesome. actual section here too that I was actually going to read. If you're, if you don't mind, it's yeah. not related yeah, to yeah. that story. Go for it. Um, so this chapter comes from uh, chapter five, can change happen in an instant? And in it, it goes like this. There are, in fact, cultures where people celebrate when someone dies. So kind of going off of your, your mm-hmm. solo gates. Why? They believe in God 
they believe that God always knows the right time for us to leave the earth and that death is graduation. They also believe that if you were to grieve about someone's death, you'd be indicating nothing but your own lack of understanding of life. And you would demonstrate, you'd be demonstrating your own selfishness. Since this person has gone to a better place, you're feeling sorry for no one but yourself. They link pleasure to death and pain to grieving. So grief is not a part of their culture. I'm not saying that grief is bad or wrong. I'm just saying that we need to realize it's based upon our beliefs that, that pain takes a long time to recover from. End quote. So just talking about graduating to the next form of our perception and whatever that holds for us, you know. I always like to keep that in the forefront of my mind, too, because I don't know where some of these good fighters are coming from, what the life situations look like. And I know sometimes some of the hardest stuff can always be the loss of a loved one or or anything like that. But you know, as long as our belief systems are right and uh, keep everything in a little bit of perspective, it makes it not just tolerable, but, you know, you can find you can find joy in it in a way. That I, I know for me for a long time, obviously death was just, still is unknown is always scary. But your belief systems really help you create foundations that you can really uh, find a lot of new meanings and happiness with what whatever situations coming up in in your lifestyle. And the thing I like about maybe this might be more beyond what the book was taught mostly discussing about when you think about graduation, you know, it's kind of like a, a celebration of your experience so right. far. It's not the end. It's not the end, but it's a celebration of your experience and moving on to a new chapter to where you can experience more. Heck yeah, dude. And I always tell that with patients too, you know, is hey, we can always move up levels. And I make sure that they know, hey, like this is this is the same point where I would say, like, hey, you're graduating from this level. Now we got a little bit more, you know. Always be coaching them in that way too. But you know, we always got things to learn, and and we've we've we had actual school graduations, and then you know maybe after five years in practice, we'll hit another form of graduation for know? sure. But we're always we're always um, moving forward towards that goal too. Like you said, even if it is death, that in and of itself, there is a certain celebration that comes with that graduation to the next life. So never is finite necessarily. Yeah, man, love that. Never is. I know you got a third one, dude. We got uh, a third one. Is this from the same book, by the way, that you have? No, no. This is from Connected to Goodness by David Meltzer. Um, a really, really good book so far. Just phenomenal. Um, he has a couple other books too. Um, a couple other podcasts and different things. I uh, highly suggest listening to him. But I stumbled across this page. Well, I was reading through the book. I didn't just stumble upon it. Um, and I thought this is probably my favorite page of the book so far. So it's discussing he, he i think he's outlining seven principles basically on not success but but kind of in that realm and on this first one he's talking about essentially of uh, how you need foundations okay and they're very important to your principles okay 
And he discusses that I need to be me and you need to be you. But I don't need to place myself on a pedestal, nor do you. Stay within yourself. Do not blame others. Do not be shameful of your opinions or mistakes. Love that part. I need to tell myself that a lot. And there is definitely no need to justify your beliefs or opinions to anyone. Don't profess your morality. Don't preach how great and perfect you are. Keep your ego in check and have a sense of reality and security that it is okay to be human. It is okay to make mistakes. I look for progress, not perfection. Everyone has their vices. And in the end, we are the sum, both good and bad, of who we are. There's a side uh, section quote from Oscar Wilde that says, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. And it goes on to read, similarly, others are who they are, but in the same way, only you can be responsible for yourself. They alone need to be responsible for themselves. Before you accuse me of callousness, let me explain. Have you ever felt better because someone felt badly for you? I'm not talking about empathy. Empathy is someone caring about or aligning with your feelings. If one of my children hurts his or herself, I feel it. I cringe. I wish I was the one who was hurt. This is different from feeling sorry for someone in a bad position. You cannot feel bad enough for someone to make them feel better. You cannot be confused enough to help someone get clarity. You cannot be sad enough to make someone happy. And you cannot be hungry enough to help feed someone. But the more you pray for someone's good, someone's happiness and put out positive energy, the better they will feel. In order to heal or help, you need to create energy in a diverse or reactive manner. Put out the energy you want for others, but most importantly, take care of yourself. The stronger your connection to source or goodness, the more you can create abundance for all. David Meltzer, bro. Meltzer. What does this guy do? Hot. He is, he went to school to be a lawyer initially. Dang. Um, But he basically, what he kind of talks about in the first part of the book was he went to school to be a lawyer and he got involved in a company that essentially did, um, it was like a legal research online program that he essentially sold to other lawyers. And he made a ton of money, a lot of money. And he did a lot of investments in different things, but along the way, he lost track of himself. And at the time, he had uh, a wife, kids, all this kind of stuff. And he essentially had to, what he describes as, go on his own journey um, of essentially self-evolution. Um, he talks a lot about manifestation, a lot about um, just how he became who he has become. Um, and yeah, to him, being connected to source and goodness um, is primary. And he talks a lot about uh, abundance and quantum physics and different things like that. And I mean, so far, I'm loving the book. The reason I got this book, actually, was I watched the interview between him and Ed Milet. Mm. He, shares a, he shares a little bit of his story on that one. I think it's like 45 minutes long. So I highly suggest if you want to know more about David Meltzer, he goes into a lot of stuff on there. Um, but yeah, I read that page. I was like, dang. And I think I need to tell myself that a lot, too, is don't be shameful of your beliefs. Don't be shameful of 
of my opinions. Because I think there's a lot of times where I I think that I'm keeping my ego in check, but really it's a suppression of my opinions and my beliefs that I think people do need to hear. So um, I struggle with that a lot personally. For sure. Yeah, man, dang. And I I don't think you're alone in that. And I talk about myself too, but clearly I think there's plenty of other people uh, that come back around tolerance, want to be tolerant. You know, mm-hmm. people want, don't want to necessarily make other people feel like they're wrong. And right. that's not, that's not your, your, your intent is not that you're making people feel wrong, but that's just your belief. Right. You know, um, you gotta, not that you have to believe in something, but if you don't, you're, you're, you'll fall for anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think that takes myself away from me being connected to source. Right. For person. sure. When I, when I start to suppress that, then I know within myself that I'm not even like, I'm not being who I'm meant to be. And I can feel that, you know, I see it in, in the fruit because I tend to tolerate other people um, or their beliefs or their opinions more than what I hold to be true. So tell me if this quote hits home. <laughs> it's my dog. Dennis, my man, it hits home. <laughs> Give me one. there's treats getting tossed around in here from the furbo give me (laughs) all right so tell me if this hits home though nothing can resist the human that will stake even its existence on its stated purpose i think that kind of ties back into even that initial story yeah i'm gonna take that a step further tell me if this hits home (laughs) because <laughs> I was just reading through um, Dr. Brad Jones' book, and it says, you were born out of a need in the universe, which I think ties in with yours, which ties in with everything else we've gone over. So it definitely hits home. It definitely hits home. And I think what, we, what we've talked about in the past and what you just mentioned there is there's part of being human, Right. But in part, you part of being human, you were, you're here to do something. And I think a lot of people forget that. That you're here to do something. And a lot of times we let that portion of us get lost because we're too busy focused on other things that take away that, that authenticity from us. I like that a lot, man. Especially even just you, that initial portion where you said about you know, we're, we're born with a purpose. We're, we're essentially uh, almost like filling a, a void. Yeah. Right. Um, with our own, with our own life force in a way. Yeah. Um, Cause we all, we all are an extension of universal and innate. Yeah. So well, I, and I think what you were talking about earlier, I think, um, you know, there's always a lesson to be learned essentially in everything there's also a lesson that you give in everything too, you know, and what you are going through in your life and you're putting out towards other people. You could have said something so small to somebody the other day, but it made their freaking world, you know, for that time period. So I think the more that you can seek that, the more you, you see, Hey, abundance is a true aspect. The universe is always expanding. Heck yeah, bro. It ain't shrinking. Nope. So, the more I think about that, I'm like, whew, 
bits are always expanding. And we're connected to that source. And uh, we're always expanding it as well. Yeah, well, and what are we resonating with each other? You know, because we're all, everybody's standing on the shoulders of somebody else, Mm -hmm. regardless of what you do. So how are we taking that, how are we growing and and taking that to another level? Yeah. Because eventually that, you know, in theory, if we can eventually just get, just make our intent to be just 1% better or um, not just better, but more connected to ourselves and each other. Mm -hmm. we can really cultivate a collective consciousness that can really make some big changes. Yeah. We need a lot of changes right now. <laughs> hey, you know, we have a lot of opportunity. Well, and I think too, like, sorry, I know we keep, I, I probably keep rambling, but you know, we look so much to our politicians today or other people today that are not in the right mindset with that. And they're not there to be cultivating something that I think that we all want cultivating. Right. You know, we, we stand on these shoulders of other people and they want certain individuals want us to do better than they did. And that's why they share some of this knowledge and, and expertise with us. Yeah. Now it's our job to go out there and produce fruit with that, not rely on these politicians to fix everything or our parents to fix everything. It's up to us. It's time for us to lead. Yep. Yeah, man. We need more leaders. Even if it's just leading you, you yourself and your personal circle of a family. That's it. Doesn't have to be anything more than that. So, yeah, man, I thought that was great stuff today. Um, do you triple have anything else? Duty. Yeah, a lot of you know, triple booty today. Uh, do you have anything else before we wrap up today for, for the good fighters? So get... No, man. I think I've said, said all I've needed to say. I agree, man. I, you know, I thought that was uh, David Melter, well said, and I look forward to hearing more from that book because that book sounds awesome and definitely going to add to my list. Yes, sir. Yes, good, sir. Fi- good fighters, you know where to find us at the underscore good underscore fight underscore errs at Gatesmayor underscore DC and at DC underscore Nash underscore T. If you're getting those rounds in, let us know. And until next time, we out. Yeah. <laughs>